ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to our very first flight. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm excited. Um, so yeah, for those of you who maybe are new to us, uh, we have decided we're going to start doing flights, which will be just collections of smaller stories, just like a flight is a collection of small pours that you get to try. So um, this month, we decided to do a cryptid flight. Yeah, ma'am. So we found lots of just kind of cute little cryptids from kind of all over and we decided um you know some of them just didn't have a ton of stories behind them and so we wanted to be able to give them some light so um yeah but before we do that is what are we drinking today mom i am drinking a beer from great notion which is from portland it's a double stack imperial breakfast stout and it has a lovely, some lovely artwork of like a Sasquatch drinking coffee and eating pancakes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I also decided to do a great notion and mine is called Ripe. It is a hazy IPA, again from Portland, Oregon. Um, and mine has like a pirate skeleton eating apples, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. There's something dripping off the apples. I'm not quite sure what it is. I don't know if I want to know what it is. But they're um, poisoned apples. <laughs> oh, maybe they are poisoned apples. Who knows? But um, yeah, so we decided to kind of have the same brewery today uh, in solidarity and trying something new. And we love Portland, so we do. We 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 love Portland. So anyone who's never been to Portland, Oregon, you're missing out. Um, but okay. Well, I know that mom is gonna start us off in the stories are you ready to go yes ma'am so um since you kicked off this uh new adventure with uh the mothman okay i decided to start with a lesser known cryptid um from cornwall um in the uk and um he's known as owl man and a lot of people say that they think that Owlman and Mothman have a lot in common. Some people say Owlman inspired Mothman, but what year was Mothman? Mothman was like 66, 67. See, that, so that can't be, because this was the 70s. <laughs> so some people, I think, have it backwards. Alrighty. Okay, <laughs> so this is a cryptid that there's not a ton of stories about, um, and there may be explanation behind it, so I'll get to that. Um, but the Owlman is a um, owl-like but also human-like creature um, that was said to be seen for the first time around 1976 um, in the village of Maunan, Cornwall in the UK. Hmm. Um, now, he, um, he was first seen by two girls, two teenage girls that were on vacation with their family. Um, and they, their names were June and Vicky Melling. And they said that they were so frightened by this feathered bird-like man that their uh, dad, uh, Don, immediately cut their holiday vacation short after hearing of the tale because they were so freaked out by it. Oh, wow. Um, now, they just kind of described it as, like, hovering over the church, and it wasn't like it tried to attack them or anything. Um, mm -hmm. 
so you know it, it you know mothman it seems like had some stories where he was chasing some people or doing things that were a little more menacing and this this owl man just seems to be hanging out above the churches um there was a man named Tony Doc Shields, and mm-hmm. he was an artist and magician and writer okay. that he kind of took off with the story that the two girls um, had reported, and you know he he reported it, wrote about it, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so there were other sightings in um, the years 1978, 79, 89, and 95, um, and uh, you know, but it, it hasn't been a very consistent thing. Um, but there have been other sightings. Uh, the way that they describe it is, um, so he's not he's not known to be as big as Mothman was. So he um, is said to be like uh, four to seven feet tall, but having a large wingspan of about ten feet. Okay. Um, you know, so he's large wings, bird-like, but kind of humanoid features. He's said to have um, really large red glowing eyes and um that he just lives in the like rural towns around cornwall maybe he's just mothman's little brother they sound yeah. the same <laughs> yeah and then he's um yeah so four to five some people say four to five feet some people say four to seven feet um and then gray feathers and large clawed feet mm-hmm. um and they say that he makes like very large uh, loud like hissing and um screeching noises Ooh, don't like that so yeah i was gonna say so people i think get freaked out by the noises um, and then the other thing that kind of makes him a little bit similar to Mothman is um, they're both as, uh, associated with some paranormal and possible UFO activity. Mm. So for Owlman, it was um, during the mid-1970s, that surrounding area um, around Cornwall was said to be the site of many UFO sightings at that time. And they were mostly people reporting flyers, flying saucers. Um, and then there was like reports that the domestic and wild animals were acting really strangely. So like, you know, a dog that, um, like attacked out of nowhere, which had never done that before. There were claims of, um, being, um, people saying that they were held hostage by feral cats, like felt like they couldn't leave. Um, so animals just acting weird, but all of that was thought to be around the time that UFO sightings were happening. Okay. Um, and that's when Owlman was first sighted. It was in 1976. So, you know, around mm-hmm. that same time where other animals were acting weird, that's when the first time they were seeing Owlman. Um, okay. And then the only other real information about him is that there is the possibility that um, he has been confused as a, a cryptid when he could be a Eurasian eagle owl um, okay. because that is a species of owl. Um, where fe- females can grow like 30 inches with the wingspan of like six feet, two inches, um, mm-hmm. and w- males are a little bit smaller. Okay. Um, and the one thing, so it does have like the, um, dark, this ones are called a dark blackish coloring where other people reported like a gray. Okay. Um, but uh, this one also says that it has um, like very distinct the orange eyes instead of red eyes they describe it as like orange eyes but that are like very distinctive and bright mm-hmm. um and alana if you would like to see i have a photo of what they're talking about um 
So he's very puffy. I don't think he looks human-like at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, yeah. it looks like an owl. Looks like a big owl. That's a little fluffy. Yeah. And so, the eyes are definitely bright orange. orange. I mean, I know with Mothman, they said the eyes, at least, they kind of look like bike reflectors. Yeah. Did they say that or something similar with Owlman? Or? They did not say reflective, um, just, but, you know, they were bright, kind of glowing. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, so, I mean, this owl that they're saying could be responsible for the stories. I mean, to me, it just looks like an owl. There's nothing about this that looks humanoid at all. Yeah, it looks like um, a bird. <laughs> yeah, and so that's, you know, what they say. Um, and then, um, you know, there are some people, even though there had been other stories later, mm-hmm. um, and actually there was another two um, uh, 14-year-olds, uh, Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry, who also saw the owl man, and that was when they were camping. Okay. Um, and yeah, they said that the eyes were glowing, and they said that their um, claws were like pincher-like. Um, oh. So not like talons. Yeah, like pincher-like. Um, so that was a little bit of a different description. Um, but a lot of people apparently believe that um, that Tony Doc Shields might have started this as like a practical joke or just to have something to write about or talk about. Right. Um, you know, because he started by just telling family and things and, you know, he was saying that these girls had told him, mm-hmm. um, you know, but he apparently says, no, like this is what was reported to me. Um, but some people think it was just a hoax created by him and then other people report seeing it. I don't know if they just believe they're seeing it or if they're seeing this actual owl and making assumptions or something. Right, but have the girls come out and said it's a hoax or any? Because, I mean, we have their names. Like, yeah, I mean, asking I, I didn't see anything that was specific <laughs> about anything they said after the initial reports. Okay. So this is a cryptid that we don't know, you know, if it's real. There are definitely more than just the two sets of uh, teenage girls saying that they've seen it. Um, is it kind of like Mothman where they're like, I saw him over by the church. And I saw well, him by the Well, and that's the thing. Or... He, they, most people say he hovers over this church. Um, okay. And it's uh, hovering above the tower of St. Monin and St. Stephen's Church. Hmm. Um, and they're pretty close together, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, so people say they see them hovering over there. But that was the other thing that people were trying to say is that a lot of owls will kind of hang out in the eaves of churches and big buildings, so. I mean, I feel like birds do that. Yeah. But so, that so, yeah. seems like a really big bird. <laughs> I don't know if we think this is a an actual thing or a myth or just an owl being mistaken, but that is what we know of Owlman. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I had never, I don't think I'd ever really heard of Owlman before, yeah. so. Weird. He does sound similar to Mothman, though, in some of his behavior. Yeah. But just not as menacing. I feel like El Man was clearly He's just chilling. Had some more scary you yeah. know, like being there when there were disasters or chasing people or doing things that was a little bit yeah. more menacing. Yeah. Like I said, I still think Mothman is running around trying to make friends and people are scared of him. So <laughs> um that's just my opinion. Okay. All right. And so what do you got as your first cryptid, Alana? Ooh, y'all. All right. So mine is Kind of cryptid, kind of urban legend, um, kind of thing that we sort of know is a thing, but we don't know what the thing is. Um, So I guess without kind of spoiling it, the best, uh, you know, way I can 
I don't even know if this is a cryptid. I just think it's really interesting. I heard about this on And That's Why We Drink and um, M did a really amazing job covering this cryptid thing. Um, but he is the Minnesota Iceman. <laughs> All right. And so full disclosure, technically the Minnesota Iceman is somewhere out in the world now. You can go see him, but we'll get there later. Um, but the story sort of begins in the 1960s. There was a guy named Frank... Frank Hansen of Rollingston, Minnesota, and he claimed that he had found a creature that was a hybrid of a human and a hominid that was preserved in a block of ice. So he was like, well, like, I have this weird thing. And instead of, like, giving it to a university or something, he was like, I'm going to take it on the road. So he was showing it at, like, sideshows and circuses and things like that. Hmm. And then, you know, like, anthropologists and zoologists were interested in whether or not this was, like, a legit creature or, like, a gorilla suit that he put in ice, basically. Okay. And so the story of how he found it differs. So this is why it already kind of has some mucky history. But basically, he originally said that he found it in the woods and that... Um, it was just like chilling in the woods, but I'm like, okay, I guess Minnesota's cold, but like, how do you get an, a man in ice out? I don't know. That just seems it. it and it was like a block of ice. So it wasn't like he ice. had to chip it away from something else. It was like set aside sort of. Yeah. Okay. That's the way he kind of put it. Um, there are other stories that said that it was brought over, um, from the like Bering sea so kind of between the west coast of the u.s and russia um and it's not sure whether the iceman was found floating in the sea or there's another story where it it apparently was shot mistaken as a like soldier in the vietnam war and then it was brought over and preserved in the u.s okay so already the history of this creature is a little mucky (laughs) we don't know where it is um and so you know, he kind of was like, oh, this is like a weird evolutionary marvel and we don't really know and da da da. Um, and I guess um, if you do look at photos of the Minnesota Iceman, the idea that maybe it was shot in Vietnam and preserved could make sense in that um, there's kind of like some sort of like dark area in the picture by its eye. And so mm-hmm. people say that that's like a bullet wound from mm-hmm. like it getting shot. Okay. So maybe it was some sort of ape creature that was just wandering in the wilderness and got shot by hunters or something. We don't really know. Um, To me, I think it looks, it doesn't look like, you know, a gorilla or like the apes I think that we have nowadays. I could see it kind of if you look at like old or like original human evolutionary, like, I don't know, like Lucy and Artie and those guys, it looks a bit more like that. Hmm. Um, So again, I don't really... No. Um, but Hansen also claimed that it belonged to a billionaire in Texas and that the billionaire hired him to take it into sideshows. So he was just like going into sideshows at circuses and like mini malls and things and just being like, pay a nickel to see the Minnesota Iceman. And da da So we don't know who the billionaire is, but I guess... <laughs> But then, so was it, it was just, if that story was true, then it was just some kind of suit or something. It wasn't like a real person or real being. Well, so he thinks that the way he described it was that the billionaire owned it. So the billionaire found it or whatever and then was like, 
I want to make money off of this thing. Go okay. sell it. But not that the billionaire created it just to make money. That It was something the billionaire found and thought, oh, I can make money off that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So then there were two zoologists who were like, we need to see if this is a legit thing. So they meet with Hansen, and their names are Sanderson and Huevelmans. Huevelmans? Not quite sure. Um, but they pretty much were really quick to say that the creature was legitimate. Um, apparently, when they looked at the creature, the ice was melting, and there was a really heavy small, small smell of rot. And they were like, that proves that it's a real creature if it's decomposing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to them, they were like, oh, it could be like a Neanderthal. Maybe it's a Yeti. It could be a previous ancestor to humans. They don't really know. Um, but Hansen was like, no, you don't get to do any further research. So Hmm. apparently they were asking too many questions and he was like protecting his creature. Yeah. Um, and This is important to note because, like, Hansen, like, the Smithsonian approached him and was like, can we do further research? And they were like, no. Like, he was like, no, I'm not. You don't get to research this. This is. But that makes me think it's, like, not real. (laughs) And he doesn't want them to realize that it's not real. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Because if it was actually, like, this is some kind of new species or something, you would think that you would even want to know. And that could be. Part of your claim to fame is they'll name it after you or something like that. Right, right. If I found a creature and, like, the Smithsonian was like, hey, can we research this? I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just call it the Alana Pothesis or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But so, yeah, that kind of adds into the thing that maybe this is a hoax. Um, And then, actually, the creature disappeared in 1967. And then it was kind of gone until 1969. And... It returned, but everyone said that the creature looked different than it did before. Hmm. Um, different how? Well, I will try to explain. But basically, um, the two zoologists, so Sanderson and Huevelmans, they discovered 15 discrepancies between the creature and the replica, including, like, the way the face was, the wound was apparently gone, like things like that. They were just like, there are things that are off about this creature that you are claiming as the original creature, but it's okay. not the original creature. Which to me could also prove like maybe the creature was getting too decomposed and he, and because it was a hoax, he just like scrambled and was like, new creature. And he was in ice when they were taking him around, or yeah, he how like did preserved they him in ice. Stop the ice from melting, girl. I don't know. <laughs> they just huh. like that seems he must like have had like some cold chamber sorcery. No, <laughs> yeah, he must have just been in like a cold chamber or something. I'm not really sure what it all is, but um, and what Hansen kind of his reason was he kind of admitted that yes, it it is a replica. Um, of the original. He's like, I got the body cast and just did a replica because the original one was decomposing too much and, like, whatever. So he has admitted that it's gone now. But interestingly, so it started kind of, like I said, touring around mini malls, this replica, and it disappeared for a bit. And then in 2013, someone auctioned the replica on eBay. Hmm. And someone bought it, and now you can actually go, I think it's in Texas, and you can go and see, like, the replica Minnesota Iceman. Huh. So, if you're interested, that is totally a thing you can do. Um, And, you know, there are main 
the main theories with the Minnesota Iceman is that it's like a rubber gorilla suit or some sort of fake costume creature that was made. Um, but a lot of people are wondering about the original rotting smell of the creature. Um, something they say about the rotting smell is like, oh, well, they could have like just stuffed lunch meat in it. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Um, huh. But... Again, like, it is interesting that there was an original creature and a replica, and the replica looks different, and where did the original go, yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, so some people also think it could have been a dead body that was disguised as the Minnesota Iceman, mm-hmm. so maybe Hansen murdered somebody and was like, I'm going to get away with murder. <laughs> By putting it on display all over the world. <laughs> I mean, it worked for him, you I'm know. Hiding in plain sight, I guess people do that with things. Yeah, I don't know if people do that with dead bodies generally, but you could, I guess. Yeah, well, and Hansen was in the Vietnam War, and apparently, like the the soldier, like the idea is like because he kept saying, "Oh yeah, like I shot it in Vietnam," and da 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 da. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, maybe it's like someone he shot in the war that he wasn't supposed to," and he just brought him home. Yeah. Which, again, is silly. Like, why would you do that? Um, another kind of theory or conspiracy with the Minnesota Iceman is that a lady claims um, that she actually shot an ape man in the eye in Minnesota and gave it to Hansen. So whatever the ape creature was that she shot, I think, was the original, and he tried to make a replica of it. I feel like that's a bit more plausible than some of the others. But how would it end up in ice, then? He put it in ice he to just preserve put it. In it. Ice. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Which is kind of like the theme with this. He just like wanted to preserve it. So he was like, oh, I'll just put it on ice. It'll be fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's a little weird. But that's a different, I mean, because originally it was like it was found in ice. So this would be, he put it in ice, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then a kind of interesting theory, at least about the replica, is that Howard Ball, who used to work for Disney and created a lot of, like, the figures, especially for, like, you know, the animatronics and the rides and stuff at Disneyland. Um, he claimed to have made a fake version of the Iceman and then had modeled it with the damage to the eye socket. And so he didn't really give a reason as to why he made the Iceman. He just did. Um, and somehow Hansen, I guess, got it in his possession. So maybe it was meant to be the abominable snowman in the Matterhorn or something. I don't know. That's okay. my only theory. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all we know about the Minnesota Iceman. He's okay. just a weird creature that popped up in the 60s. No one really knows where he came from. Do you have a thought? Do you think it's a rubber gorilla suit? What? I was going to say, I mean, it seems a little money-making scheme to me, but I mean, especially if you wouldn't let the Smithsonian like, investigate it or... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you wouldn't let them, like, see if they could figure out what it is or any of that stuff. That seems like you would want science to help you with that and make you even more famous. But the fact that he wouldn't let them do that to me makes it seem more hoaxy. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is called a puckwudgie. I love puckwudgies. They're crazy. Okay. So it's a very cute name. Um, and the, I guess they're also known as bang. Bagwajini, Bagwajini, something like that. Okay. Um, so um, they're said to live throughout the wilderness in North America. Um, now, the, I guess the, the history says that they used to live in harmony with humans, um, but there is some different legends about why that changed. 
Hmm. Um, so the the original folklore is believed um, to start in a couple of different tribes in America. Um, so one is the Wanapane, one, and um, the other is the Algonquin tribe of the Great Lakes region. Um, so first I'm going to describe these little creatures. Um, some people call them little men. Um, so they're three feet tall about, and they mostly live in forests. Um, people say that they, um, yeah, I mean, they describe it as like they're about knee height. Um, they have human-like features, um, but tend to have larger noses, ears, and fingers. And their skin is often described as like gray and smooth. Um, people often say that they remind them of trolls or goblins. Oh, that's kind um, of <laughs> And, Maybe. you know, they kind of have some tricks up their sleeves. So it depends on the stories. You know, some of the stories are just they're tricksters and they'll, like, hide things or take things. Um, some of them say, you know, that they'll... Um, you know, just like be friendly and they try to talk to you in like a high pitched voice that in a language you don't understand. Um, so there are things like that mm-hmm. um, that are pretty, you know, not scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other stories that, you know, are a little bit scarier. Um, and so those include things like um, saying that they can shape shift into different animals. And mm-hmm. sometimes they can shape shift into animals that you know, are cute and just to, like, help them get away. And sometimes they change into scary animals like jaguars or things Mm. that could be more threatening. Um, My question is why? Well, and so the legend behind why um, the relationship shifted Mm -hmm. is apparently... um, So um, there was a... um, there was a um, giant who was kind-hearted and spirited, mm-hmm. um, and he was a deity that was worshipped by the local tribes, and okay. his name was Mashup. Okay. And people believed that the Pakwajis got um, kind of jealous of him because um, the legend says that, like, he, he was a giant, you know, so mm-hmm. he, um, there's some of the legends that say, like, he helped create things like Cape Cod and Nantucket, Um but he was also said to, like, he helped tribes people learn how to hunt and, like, you know, do things to help themselves survive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people really um, worshipped him. And so Pakwajis got jealous of that relationship. Oh, okay. And there are some stories that say that um, the Pakwajis ended up killing Mashup's five sons. And some stories even say they killed him. Oh, wow. Um and so, you know, it, it just depends what story you're reading. Um, and so, you know, but apparently because of that, because he was beloved in a way that they were not quite as beloved, mm-hmm. that they got jealous. And so then they became more mischievous um, and and then sometimes even murderous. So oh, wow. it depends on the tribe that you ask. Um, some people say that... Um, They'll push people off a cliff. Oh, my gosh. Um, Some people say that they shoot fiery arrows or um, there are stories of them stealing children. Um, They also say that they can create like a fire orb 
that lures people into the deep woods and to their death. So it'll like people will follow this orb kind mm-hmm. of in a like a hypnotic state and they'll like walk them off a cliff or do something like that. Oh no. Um yeah, and I already mentioned the transforming into dangerous animals that, you know, could kill people. Um and um oh and there's another story that a different giant was killed by pelting him with pine cones. Oh. Um yeah, so, you know, the, the stories are, you know, vary depending on who you ask. Now, there is, um, there was an author who is an amateur archaeologist named Paul Startsman, and he says he encountered the Pequodges numerous times. Um, the first time that he did, it was in 1927 when he was about 10 years old, and he was just, like, hiking alone um, on a trail, and he saw a man described as like half his size with dull blonde hair. Um, he said that his he had like round ears that protrude out and that mm-hmm. his hair was like a helmet. Okay. Um, and then so Paul St- uh, Startsman ended up interviewing a lot of people in that area. Um, and this was in Indiana. And they said that they've also had um, seen Pukwajis. Um, a lot of them said they would like to stay anonymous. Uh, oh. There was one person that they call Eloise H. And she was interviewed while in a nursing home in Indiana. And she says that she remembers being alone in the park and she was approached by a group of them. And they just seemed kind of curious about what she was doing. You know, they were just Mm kind of watching her. Um, They did try to talk to her in that high-pitched voice that she couldn't understand the language. Okay. Um, But, you know, they were just kind of hiding and watching her and, um, but didn't seem menacing, just curious. Okay. which I like to believe that they're just yeah. curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, the other part of this is that some people say that these could be related to or the same thing as the Jersey Devil. I've heard that about okay. budgies. So apparently they're described very similarly. Um, and um, yeah, so there's an area, uh, it's a Freetown, it's a state park located in Fall River and um, Lakesville, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, and this area, I, I don't the know. Bridgewater if... Triangle. <laughs> okay. Well, I was also going to say, <laughs> um, you know, Fall River also has, like, its own share of violent rumors and legacy and history uh, because that's where the longtime home of Lizzie Borden. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I knew she is, was over there. Who was suspected of murdering her father and stepmother with an axe in the 1890s. Um, so that area, I guess, has just, like, a lot of lore and history, and a lot of it's kind of creepy. Um, well, and, and it's Massachusetts, which is, like, haunted as hell. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so um, the Massachusetts police in that area, and, you know, I guess it's kind of as a joke, but they actually... Um, put up signs that were like um Pukwudgie crossings and, oh my gosh <laughs> why didn't i go um, i want to see yeah and when there was another woman in that same area who reported she was like in her car or something mm-hmm. and they just kept tapping at her or she was in her house and they kept tapping at her window while she slept oh my god no um, which I don't like that That's at all. That's my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that, I mean, those are the main stories of um, the Pukwudgie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Alana, what do you think? Do you think Pukwudgies are a real thing? Well, I feel like I've heard about Pukwudgies a lot. And actually with the Pukwudgie, that's interesting is like 
almost like some pop culture thing, but I remember when like J.K. Rowling was writing about um, like the American Hogwarts, so Overmorny for Harry Potter nerds out there. Um, but the Puckwudgies, I think, were either one of the houses or they were a mascot or like they were involved in the Harry Potter lore. Oh. So I do know that Puckwudgies, at least, even if you know they're not the same in different places or whatever, they clearly are a thing in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was living in Boston, like in Salem, you could like buy like a pet, a Puckwudgie like figurine or okay. whatever. So like I know. They are a part of the Massachusetts lore. Okay. Do I think they're real? I don't know. I hope to maybe encounter one from afar one day. Yeah, we'll like have to up. go for a hike and see if we see any curious about oh, the yeah. silly things well, we do. Well, I have always wanted to stay on the Lizzie Borden B&B, so I think that that could be a fun... I think that would be a whole different vibe. <laughs> I know, but it's in the Bridgewater... Tra- we could yeah. see a puck wedgie on the drive to the Lizzie okay. Borden house. You know, <laughs> Sounds you good. Know. Um... But was that all for the Puckwudgies? Yep, that's about it for them. So what do you got next? So next, I chose a a small one, but a little... I think it's cute. I don't know. I think they're just kind of weird. But have you heard of the Loveland Frogmen? I have heard, but I'm sure (laughs) I don't know as much as you. (laughs) So... Um, I also heard from of the Loveland Frogmen from And That's Why We Drink. Um, but they're, you know, they were just kind of seen in the 50s in Loveland, Ohio, or kind of in or around that area. Um, and so basically how they were described, they were bipedal flat, flat, frog creatures. So they were like walking on their hind legs or whatever. Um, and they were along the Little Miami River. So it was near Loveland, Ohio, but basically just kind of along this river. And it is known as either the Loveland Frogman, the Loveland Frog, the Loveland Lizard is kind of like their names. They're said to be four feet tall, which that's a really big frog. I don't like that. Yeah. I I know some people love frogs. I think frogs are very cute, but not if they're four feet. I think a four foot tall frog that's staring at me with those eyes, I'd be a little like, "Mm, I'm going to go this way. And that would be a real loud croak too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the first sighting of these were in May of 1955, and the story goes um, that a businessman was driving along a rural road that was pretty deserted, and I do want to say there are three different accounts of what the businessman saw or how he encountered the frogmen, so I'm just going to kind of say all three. Um, So the first was that he was driving out of the Branch Hill neighborhood in Loveland, and his headlight shined on three large figures which rose up on their hind legs. When the driver looked, he honked at the creatures, and they looked at him. And then he noticed that it had leather, leathery skin and frog faces. So that's a little freaky, mm-hmm. first of all. Yeah. He probably thought there were some kids up to no good, and then he honks at them and they're frogs. That's scary. Um, the second was that he saw them under the Loveland Bridge, which goes over the Little Miami River. And then he, honk at, uh, he honks at them, and they fly out from under the bridge, and one lands on his hug hug wow hood um and the driver actually passes out after he realizes the creature croaks like a frog so again just like a kind of quirky account as well um and then the third was that the driver pulls over near the bridge sees the creatures while he was out of the car and then he calls out to the creatures and they stand up And then one of the creatures motions to the other creatures as if it was, like, motioning to them to stop. 
and they look at the motorist to be kind of annoyed hmm. or like, how dare you interrupt our whatever we're doing? And in that report, the frogman apparently had a magic wand, which he raised over um, his head and shot out sparks, and then the driver fled. Huh. So all three get a little bit more fantastical. Okay. <laughs> um, with that one, I think probably the first and second, some combination of the two makes the most sense. But yeah, the sparks with the magic wand, I don't know about all that, but hmm. that's just me. Um, and then that's really... All you hear about the frogmen for a while. Okay. Um, and then in March of 1972, so this is almost 20 years later, um, there was a big sighting of the frogmen. So Officer Ray Shockey was driving along the Riverside Drive, um, and it was near the Totes Boot Factory um, and also along the river, and a suspicious creature ran across the road. And then when the creature was fully illuminated by his headlights, Shockey saw the frogman and he described it as having leathery skin bright eyes and a tongue quote ready to catch a vw beetle oh my gosh and i think that is quite the description like does that mean the tongue is super long is it just like hanging out there is he just like i I don't must be quick to catch a beetle i know vw beetle that's a big catch (laughs) that's a little terrifying i don't know that that would be very tasty though (laughs) i don't think so either but definitely Sounds a little, a little hard to di- a little hard to digest. <laughs> yeah. So and then basically the frogman were, was just kind of standing there, and then it just like hopped over the guardrail and into the river basically. Um, and then the guy was like, "That's freaky." So he just kind of drove off, but was like, "I'm gonna come back in the morning." And when he came back in the morning, there were scratches on the guardrail, like really big scratches, as if something that probably shouldn't have been there. So that was interesting. And then actually two weeks later on St. Patrick's Day, Mark Matthews had an encounter with the creature. Um, So he saw a lump on the side of the road and assumed it was roadkill. And then when he went to kind of investigate, the creature made eye contact with him and dashed under the guardrail. Now this guy came out guns blazing, shot the creature between its eyes and put it in the trunk of his car. (laughs) And... He said that it was a large iguana, about three to three and a half feet long, and that he had troubled identifying it because it was missing a tail. Huh. And well, then, then it would, yeah, when I think lizard-like, I would think tail. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when he showed it to Shockey, Shockey was like, oh, yeah, this was the creature I saw. Yeah. So. Yeah, lizard-like without lizard. a tail seems more froggy. Yeah. I guess when you think about it. Um, but I will say the frogman was also seen in 2016 um, when a guy named Sam Jacobs was playing Pokemon Go and saw a gigantic frog that stood up on its hind legs. He guessed it was about four feet tall. Um, and he was just like, I'm not sure if it was a frogman or just a giant frog, but I've just never seen anything like it. So hmm. that is good to know that he's like, it, it was just a big frog. I don't know if it's the actual frogman, but it was massive. Um and those are really the only, like, main sightings of the Frogman. Um, but the creature has inspired an annual Frogman festival and obviously has been on many podcasts and documentaries. Um, recently, it was named the town mascot of Loveland. So if yeah. you are from, like, if you go to, like, an event in Loveland, like, there will be a Frogman just, like, dancing around <laughs> in a little mascot suit. 
Which I think is really funny. I feel like my middle child would <laughs> love that. They're a fan of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> and the creature was also the main character of the musical Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog, which preferred... <laughs> Which premiered at the Cincinnati Fringe Festival in 2015. I was going to say, I have not seen that one on Broadway yet. <laughs> and, you know, I, I watched some on you know, Broadway. You know, if, uh-huh. sh- if Shucked has gotten on Broadway, I think this could get on Broadway. You never know, but <laughs> hot damn, huh? Hot damn, it's the Loveland Frog. Okay. Um, and then just one little thing to note is that some people say that the creature was misidentified as the creature from the black... Um, whoops words. Some say the creature was misidentified, and it's because I guess the first sighting coincided with the release of the Creature of the Black Lagoon movie. Oh, okay. Um, And so a lot of people are like, maybe people just were just seeing lizards and frogs and created this whole lore around it because of that movie. And so we don't really know, but yeah, that's kind of all I got for the Loveland Frog. What do you think? Giant giant frog? Big iguana? I mean... I would think giant frog because if it doesn't have the long tail, to me, that's not an iguana or lizard or anything like that. Yeah, and maybe the one guy, what he did find was an iguana, but my thing is, is if it was an iguana, it still wouldn't stand up on its hind legs. Like, they were saying it was like four feet tall standing. Huh. Right. That doesn't sound like an iguana to me. No. So, you know, people can argue with me on that. But but. I would not want to meet a frog that could capture a VW beetle with its tongue. No, not That sounds a little terrifying, a little intense. And again, that's not a very tasty snack, but whatever floats your boat. That's like my question is like, what does he mean by this tongue? I feel like I need more descriptions about what that means. Um, (laughs) But yeah. Um, Well, I think we have one more for you. One more. And this one, actually, there are possibility of three different names because there are three different lores about a creature that are all very similar. Okay. Um, so I don't know if they are the same creature, but they were similar enough that I'm putting them all together. So the first name we're going with is Managishi. Okay. Um, and that comes from Cree folklore. Um, oh. And the Ojibwa, um, which is a tribe, an Algonquin-speaking uh, tribe, um, they call it the Mimigwesi, Mimigwesi, and then other people describe it as the Dover Demon, <laughs> and so... I've heard of that. Okay, <laughs> so I was going to say, so, you know, it's hard to know if they're all the same creature, but they do sound very similar. Okay. Um, so they, they're another humanoid type race, uh... And, you know, also described as little people. So this is, you know, my Pukwudgies were also described as little people. Um, okay. To me, these ones don't look quite so much like people when you see the the drawings that people have made. Okay. Um, so the description for them is um, they um, kind of have, well, it depends what description, but they kind of have um, a little bit like a humanoid head, but they're... I, I don't know, the way that I would describe the way that they're drawn is almost like they have a muzzle kind of a vibe, but they don't have a nose. All the descriptions say they don't have a nose. Oh. Um, they uh, have six fingers on their hands um, and kind of like grayish skin. Um, hmm. uh, they also um, tend to live in damp areas and near bodies of water. Okay. Um, and they, yeah, they tend to like to hide between rocks in the okay. water. 
and <laughs> I'll explain what they do when they're hiding in the rocks uh, between the water in a minute. Um, but yeah, so they um, there's a few different sightings that I wanted to go through, um, and these one in these sightings they they are described as the Dover Demons, so that's the name that they're using for these sightings. Okay. Um, so the first one is that um, it was like at, at night, and there was uh, three 17 year old boys um, driving through Massachusetts, and um, you know they had their headlights on, and the driver reported that he saw. What at first he thought was like a large dog or a cat, um, but then he realized it was this bizarre creature he had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, the creature was like standing on a wall. Um, and so he continued to watch the creature and then said he it had like a disproportionately large watermelon shaped head mm-hmm. and illuminated orange eyes like glass marbles. So, you know, again, it's they're said to have these long fingers, and um, he described it as long arms, slender fingers, um, and, it, and it said he could, like, grasp onto the pavement and said it was hairless with rough flesh, um, and it was like sandpaper. So, um, no ears, no mouth was seen, no nose was seen, which the no nose thing has been consistent with other stories. Okay. Um, and so that was the first sighting and then there was another one that was about an hour later and this was by john baxter uh who is 15 and pete mitchell who is 13 and they were walking home okay um and said that uh they saw it like running into a goalie and then standing next to a tree Mm -hmm. um so same creature didn't do anything to them didn't try to interact with them but just kind of ran off and like stood there and observed them Mm -hmm. and then the next day so all of these were within two days of each other, you know. Um, so they were seen pretty close in time. Um, Abby Brabham and Will Tainter uh, claimed that they had seen a similar looking creature uh, from Tainter's car, um, and it was on the side of the road. And they said, uh, they're only the difference between their description and the others was they said that the um, they were green eyes. They were like glowing green eyes. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, some creatures have different color eyes. Yeah. They I could. mean, we have different color eyes. They could, too. Yeah. And they described it as being approximately the size of a goat. Oh. Okay. Um, so, anyway, so the uh, the problem that these little creatures create is that they do, as I mentioned, like to hide between the rocks and the rapids of rivers. Oh. And okay. apparently what they like to do is spin people's canoes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know if you're I kinda yeah. love that. So and again, different descriptions. Some people say they just like spin your canoe and like are tricksters and playing with you or whatever. Um, but some say they will capsize your canoe. Oh. Um, and some people say they spin the canoe so hard it spins people to their death. So <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? It's like turns into a vortex or it just, you know, capsizes. I mean, I guess you get, like, whiplash and maybe you, like, fall out and hit your head on a rock. I don't know. but I I don't don't like any of that. (laughs) Yeah, so those are the descriptions. Um, Yeah, and again, three different names, two, Mm -hmm. you know, that are tribal names, and then the one is the more common uh, name that was given, I don't know if it was given just because the area it was in Dover, Massachusetts. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so that is the story of the Managishi. Huh. So, what do you think of that? Well, I'm fine if they're tricksters, but yeah. if they're vicious, spinning I don't... people to their death, and this yeah. is what their photo looked like, or oh. their 
drawing look like? I don't want that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say. I don't know say. how I'd... So, okay, but they hide in between rocks. So were there accounts of people, like, walking on rocks and rivers and then, like, them just, like, popping out and being like, Whoa! No, I think people just say that, you know, people that are canoeing, uh-huh. you know, in that area or kayaking or something, you know, say that they see them and they mess with the canoes. I don't think anybody else has said that they've huh. noticed them while walking other than these teenagers that saw them, like, from the car, you know, when they were walking. But they usually hang out by the rivers. Huh. That's so, weird. <laughs> so I don't know, but there's, you know, they come from, the stories come from two different tribes and then, you know, other people. So, um, yeah, different names, but, oh, and then there was one, um, so the um, the one name, uh, let me see, which was the, um, the second name that I said, um, the Mimegwesi. Mm-hmm. Um, so that people have said that that could come from the Ojibwe word for hairy because Memi is hairy, mm-hmm. um, and then they and so some in that uh, lore that they're described as having like hairy faces and bodies, mm-hmm. um, and then other people believe that their name could be related to the word butterfly, which is Mimagawa. Um, okay. You know, but I I would think they don't sound anything like a butterfly to me. So. Do they fly? No. <laughs> so why would they be called butterflies? Yeah, so I don't know why their name would be related to that word, but maybe just because it sounds similar. But, you mm-hmm. know, if you're somebody who speaks Algonquin, maybe you could clarify that those words are not actually similar at all. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Totally have different meaning. Um, so, yeah, but that's about all the story there is about them. So, yeah, if you're doing any kayaking or canoeing in that area, please watch out for the Manigishi. Huh. That's wild. <laughs> I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. Well, I think those are all of our cryptids that we picked out to share with you all this time, friends. Um, but thank you for coming to our first flight. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting hearing all the different stories um if you have conspiracy theories or encounters with any of these creatures or anything please write in to either what the ale pod at gmail.com or you can dm us on instagram at what the ale pod um we are going to keep an eye out for all of these things we also have a topic suggestion link um that's attached to every episode if you are interested in submitting a story um and yeah am i missing anything else Mama? i don't think so but we appreciate you yeah we appreciate you and have a great 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 september friends